0: Welcome to Bedtime Story, Adventure 2019. One chapter a day, up until Christmas. Boys, are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Chapter 14. Game Time. When the minibus pulled away, there were plenty of supportive shouts from children coming out of school. A small crowd had gathered at the gate to wave them off. Jenny saw James, Wilf, Fred, Millie, and Hugo running out towards the bus stop. She hoped that the Green Hands gang would be able to steal back the squidduck key. Then she put the gang out of her mind. She had a football game to win. The chatting in the minibus grew quiet as they reached the marina and the Rodine School building came into view. And by the time they had got to the school gate, high up on the hill behind the cliffs, everyone was silent. No one said a word as they parked and were shown through to the changing rooms. Jenny hadn't been in a private school before. Although it looked pretty foreboding on the outside, the inside was quite normal. Normal corridors and normal-looking classrooms. Patcham had a changing room to themselves. The Rodine girls had even put out a selection of fruit and drinks for them on the trestle table at one end. They pulled their boots on, still not chatting at all. Okay, girls, Nancy broke the silence. We know what we have to do. I don't care about refs or the crowd. All I care about is keeping number eight busy so we can win. Jenny, are you ready for this? Jenny nodded. She had felt fine on the bus, but now, a few minutes before kickoff, she was very nervous indeed. Let's go out there and do our best. They followed the captain out through an external door and onto the Rodine field. An icy wind howled across the grass and took Jenny's breath away. She shivered. Nancy ignored the cold and led the team on a warm-up jog around the pitch. Even though they were hundreds of feet above the water, there was still salt in the air. Jenny could taste it on her lip. There were Rodine supporters in attendance. It looked like the whole school, all the children and teachers, were out watching. And some parents, too, of the local children. The crowd clapped the Patcham girls as they ran past. It certainly wasn't the frosty welcome that Jenny had expected. After a jog and some warm-up stretches, Jenny felt much better. She even managed to glance around for any Patcham supporters and the Greenhands gang, but they hadn't arrived yet. The referee blew the whistle to start the match. Jenny put the gang out of her mind again. She was in football mode and concentrating on playing the best she could. She hadn't even thought about her ankle. She was feeling great. The home team kicked off and immediately looked to get the ball to number eight. Rather than wait for her to find Jenny, Nancy wanted Jenny to attach herself to the opposing star player right from the start. By the time number eight had the ball at her feet, Jenny had closed in. She started by keeping pace with the older girl, No need to make contact. She'd had enough of that in the first game to last her for a long time. Jenny found that it was no effort running with number eight. The Rodine player tried to shake her with a fast sprint, but it didn't work. Jenny was right next to her, all the way up until she took a shot and blasted the ball into the top right-hand corner of Patcham's goal. There was a big cheer from the crowd, and the scoreboard was updated to say 1-0 to Rodine. Oh dear, looks like you have no hope of winning, number eight said on her way back to Rodine's hearth. Nancy jogged over to Jenny. Are you okay, she said. Maybe you could try and stop her next time? You just let her score. Sorry, Jenny said. I'll do better from now. I got distracted. Patcham took the centre. Jenny stayed out on the wing, then zeroed in on number eight. The other player looked pleased to see her. I'm going to enjoy this, Number Eight said with a perfect smile. No going easy on you like the last game. Jenny said nothing, but stayed close. The Patcham girls were working the ball up the pitch. When they were on the edge of the box, Number Eight decided to break things up and sprinted to intercept a pass. Jenny went with her. Out of my way, the Rodin girl sidestepped and dropped a shoulder hard into Jenny but Jenny was ready for it this time. She held her ground and pushed back. Number eight literally bounced off her and went down hard. The referee blew her whistle, and there were gasps from the crowd. They weren't used to seeing their star player on the ground. She usually did the shoving. Jenny was shocked with her own action and quickly went to help number eight up. I'm so sorry, she said, hand out toward the other girl. Save it, Number eight slapped her hand away and waited for one of her teammates to give her a hand. Again, Nancy ran over to Jenny. "'No fouls,' she said. "'Remember, we have to play super clean.' "'Sorry,' said Jenny. "'I think I've got this now. Next time we have possession, get me the ball.' "'Are you sure?' her captain said. "'We want to keep the ball away from her.' She pointed at number eight, who was brushing grass off her otherwise perfect shorts. "'I'm sure.' Get me the ball and get in the box." Rodine took their free kick. Sure enough, the ball ended up at the feet of their star player. Jenny shadowed her as she ran. This time she concentrated and watched the other girl's body language. She needed to time this perfectly. Number 8 got past Patcham's last defender and wound up for a shot Jenny anticipated perfectly and nipped in front of the attacker, taking the ball right before her foot swung for it. Number eight kicked the air and Jenny was already moving toward the roading goal, giving the referee no chance to blow the whistle. She passed to her captain, then sprinted down the wing. Nancy controlled the pass, then chipped the ball back ahead of Jenny. She felt a surge of energy and pushed the ball easily past two defenders. In no time she was near the corner post. Jenny looked up and saw three Patcham shirts in the box, and number eight was closing in fast. Jenny whipped across right to Charlotte, who just managed to get her head on it, but it was enough. The ball skimmed past the keeper and into the side netting. They had scored. The Patcham girls cheered, until they heard the referee's whistle blow. Offside! the referee announced, running to catch up with the play. No goal. Nancy looked like she had finally had enough of the referee's bad decisions. But before she could say anything, a jovial voice boomed from the sideline. Overruled, a large man called out. The gold stands. One all. But headmaster, the referee protested. The player was overruled, the headmaster repeated more sternly this time. One. All. The referee looked from the headmaster to number eight. The girls scowled at him, but the referee just shrugged in a what-can-I-do gesture, then pointed at the centre spot. A Rodine girl flipped the scoreboard to say 1-1. One, one. There was silence while the ball was moved up for the Rodine centre. It was then that the Patcham supporters arrived. Sorry we're late. Hugo's voice rang out across the field. Terrible traffic? Oh! The scoreboard says 1-1! Did we score? The Patcham children and associated adults spread out along the sideline. We scored! a boy shouted. Then the rest of the away supporters erupted into applause and cheering. Go, Patcham! Come on, Rodine! one of the local teachers piped up. Let's go, girls! After that, there was never a silent moment. Or even a quiet one. Every time Number 8 got the ball, the Rodine supporters cheered. Every time Jenny tackled her, Patchum supporters cheered. And while the match was holding everyone's attention, the Green Hands gang got organised. Laurie, Daniel, Mr E and Wayland were to stay outside, but wander away from the football to check out the Mole Hills that James had noticed. They did this almost immediately, kicking a spare football between them and drifting to the front field. Hugo, Joe, Frank and Arlo were to stay on the sideline in case Jenny needed any help. They spread out and watched the game. Hugo's role was to coordinate and communicate. That meant writing lots of things down on his clipboard. That left James, Wilf, Fred and Millie to make their way inside the school and retrieve the stolen items. Jenny couldn't pay any attention to the gang. She was too busy on the pitch. She did think, after she blocked a hard shot from number eight, that she saw James and his team slip off into the school building. The game was intense. Now that number eight was being shut down by Jenny, the other Rodine players were getting more involved, and the headmaster continued to hold the referee in check. When the whistle went for half-time, Hatcham were winning 5 4. Before joining the team huddle, Jenny went to speak to Hugo to see how the gang was doing. He was standing with Laurie, Daniel, Wayland, and Mr. E and had his clipboard out. As usual, he had made a lot of notes. How are we doing? she asked. There's a few things that we've noticed, Hugo said rather loudly, as always, even with the wind whipping the words away. Jenny stepped in closer. Indoor voice Hugo, she said softly. Ah, yes, he said, still loudly, but less likely to be overheard. Firstly, Frank noticed that there's quite a lot of crow activity on the building. We don't know if it means anything, but thought it might. And Arlo said he doesn't like seagulls. There were a lot of crows gathered on the roof, it was true. Perhaps that was normal for Rodine, or perhaps they were up to something. There was nothing Jenny could do about that now. Secondly, Daniel and Wayland confirmed James's thought about the molehills. They are in a pattern, with the gap between the school and the marina. And Mr. Ed said there's even more on the other side of the coast road, right on the clifftop. He said he saw one appear while he watched. Jenny nodded, unsure what that meant. Thirdly, Laurie believes that the Squidducken key is tied to number Eight's right boot. What? Jenny said. That should have been the first thing you told me. Hugo looked puzzled. Then he turned his clipboard the other way up. Oh yes, I thought I was reading it funny. I saw it when you were running down the sideline, Laurie said. You were being chased by number eight. tried a crazy sliding tackle and clipped your ankle, but you didn't seem to notice. He looked at her expectantly for a moment. Jenny just nodded. She slid right off the pitch near me, Laurie said and I thought about giving her a quick kick, you know, because she's evil. But then I saw it, sticking out of her laces. A squiducken, I'm sure of it. We need to tell James, she said urgently. They're looking in the wrong place. Send Joe in to warn him. She can say that she was looking for the toilets if she gets caught. Looking for toilets, Hugo said slowly as he wrote it down. What about the boot? Laurie, at the end of the game, get the gang ready over by that corner flag. She pointed at the one she had in mind. And I'll get you the boot. You'll get him the... Hugo looked up. Oh, you will? Yes, right at the end of the game. Now send Joe inside to warn James. Jenny left the gang and joined the football team huddle. A few minutes later, the Green hands gang started a Mexican wave through the crowd and Joe slipped away into the Rodine School building.